happened in the 90s. Matt was the fat kid, Steve was the flat kid. Life wasn't always great, but you know what was? The 90s happened in the 90s. Yeah! I'm Roger Soddy. I make Nabisco shredded wheat here at Post Series. You know, sometimes we bring our kids in. They like watching us make shredded wheat, but when it comes time to eat it, well, they're not exactly like these are to honey. But I think that's gonna change. This is our new Honey Nut Shredded Wheat. It's shredded wheat, all baked up with honey and nuts. Kids love to eat it, parents love to eat it. And we even love to eat it right out of the box. And I'm getting pretty popular around here. God damn, Steve, we cannot get this goddamn episode off the ground. Um, but we, we finally got the record button hit. So, uh, welcome everybody to episode 138 of Happened in the 90s. Matt G here with my boy Steve G. Steve G on the ones and twos. He's gonna sit, he's gonna sit in the background. Steve, I want you to take a seat because hey, yo. everybody uh, needs to know, you know, we're covering a date, but this date that we're actually recording this show is a day before one Steve G's birthday. So I wanted to say happy birthday to my dog, Steve G. Thank you. Appreciate you, Doc. And uh, just, you know, you had once told me about some shit that happened on my birthday, just to, you know, kind of make me feel better about it. So I wanted to take you just down a walk down memory lane, Steve. Steve G, this is your Ooh. birthday. <laughs> this is your life. <laughs> um, so... It was a Saturday, Steve. It was a Saturday. Um, you know, the Raiders, they were about to win the Super Bowl. The Cardinals. Weirdly, Baltimore. The, or, I'm sorry, the Orioles. The Orioles, Steve Rungberg. The Orioles, they are about to win a championship. And goddamn, the fucking 76ers, love them or hate them, they are about to win one too, Steve. Dr. J, Moses, they were all there. Um, what was playing on the radio at that time? In the UK, UB40, Red Red Wine. So that might have been on the, the ones and twos. And that song Maniac was uh, number one in America. So that was all going on. Awesome. Yeah. Notable birthdays. You were born on the same day as Phil Jackson, Steve. Legend. I think that's what I propose. Did you know that? The Zen Master. This, I, I did. The Zen Master, man. Yes. Yeah. Flow Rider. I don't know how you feel. Flow Rider, successful rapper. He's all, You guys He's... share a birthday. Hey, he, he made his chicken. Kyle Chandler, uh, famous actor from weird movies. I think he was in uh, Twin Peaks, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's oh. that dude. Really? Okay, that's, that's pretty cool. Kyle Chandler, okay. Uh, Mission Impossible, the show, way back in the day, premiered on this day. Uh, Wild Wild West and Hogan's Heroes. A lot of notable shows. Uh, Billy the Kid, if you want to go way back. And um, the, the real Billy the Kid? The real motherfucking Billy the Kid, American Gunman. That's what he's listed as. If he's on a Netflix documentary, American Gunman, Steve. You and the kid, That's... my man. That I didn't know. That's <clears throat> pretty dope. And just like to wrap it all up, 
obviously the one the person that we think is the most notable is steve g but to anybody born on this day and i think it's very appropriate for you steve if you do the mathematics it takes nine months for a kid to pop out right meaning you're a christmas gift you're the universe's christmas gift to the world so you were conceived around christmas sometime and here we are 40 years later about and you're about to be 40 my man you're looking good so congrats happy birthday to you and all those other people and uh the legend the appreciate that man it's it's a it's a blessing man it's definitely a blessing yeah man uh around what december january in 83 my mom and dad are like yeah we got to get jobs now <laughs> yeah yeah, well, it's gonna be, but it, look what happened, man. Look at the gift you they got, and look at the gift the world got. So to everyone, salute to Steve G. September seventeenth, it was a real one. It was a good day. Appreciate that, Ann and Steve. Y'all some real ones. I mean, Steve, man, hey, bro, I could have been a, a stain on your gym sock, but you let me make it. <laughs> it's like, man, you know what? We gonna we gonna do this thing. At 19 years old, Matt. 19. Man. I think I met your dad when we graduated. I remember thinking that, dude. Your dad had some style, dude. When I saw him at graduation, I was like, I'm going to be living with that dude's son. I'm going to look like shit. <laughs> I, look, I just remember him saying, like, because you had this big stogie. And I remember him saying, that kid's got a stogie. He's a stogie. <laughs> that was the thing. I don't know why. I don't know why, I guess. You just want to look tough, man. We just graduated. That was the adult shit. Dude, the next time I go home, man, I got to find a picture of it's me and you at high school graduation, and I think you have that stogie in your hand. If we took it after we graduated, hell yeah, I did. That thing was like, that thing took like eight hours. <laughs> I probably puked at smoking that fucking gross shit. But, you know. It, 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 that, that was moments, it was moments that, like that that made me feel like a grown-up. Like, my peers, like some of them were out here smoking cigars and like, yeah, the, the other adults, they're not flinching. Cause yeah, we're, we're, we can do that shit now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was like empowering. Hell yeah, dude. Get that picture. I want to see that. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's, it's golden. That, put that shit on the album cover. Oh yeah. Red Lobster's new lunch special, shrimp and chicken, just $3.99. Golden fried shrimp and grilled chicken breast with salad and baked potato, just $3.99. For a limited time at Red Lobster for lunch. Well, hey, boys and girls, this is Steve G and Matt G with Happened in the 90s, a show where we talk about what happened in the 90s. So get out your Ozzy Smith jerseys and your Ozzy Osbourne and... Hey, wait, I got a new complaint. Forever in debt to your priceless advice. Hey, wait, I got a new complaint. Forever in debt to your priceless advice. Right here, what, 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 what,
pick again, man. I'm gonna let you pick the shows. You're picking some good shows, Steve. We're back to back weeks here, but these are some bangers. Have you yet, you or Kendra, been sold on the Seinfeld the idea of? Yeah, charity? I'm on. I'm in on it now. I just gotta get the time. I just gotta just make that commitment where I'm like, I'm gonna get through it. I'm just gonna keep watching it because we all get comfortable with shows, and to add another show into the mix, it's like I don't. Frasier, no, I can't. <laughs> but I, it, no, definitely. And this one is fucking hilarious. So this is another great example of how I don't think we've watched quote unquote a bad episode of the show if it even exists. So I assume that hey, usually if a person's a fan of Frasier, of course they're gonna them. I don't know what it is, man. I don't, I really don't. When I watch it, I love it. But I just never commit to just going through and just being like a rabid fan of the show. But it's, I mean, shit, man. It's a classic for a reason. Yes, sir. Well, today, my friend, we're talking about opening September 21st and then starting off in 90. Don't Tell Her It's Me premieres. And it's Steve Gutenberg character. He plays Gus. And he's the total opposite of his normal characters that we've known the goons to be a part of, man. And uh, he overcomes Hodgkin's lymphoma. He beats cancer. Okay. And he's not, but like, like I said, he's a shy, aloof guy. This, this isn't how we're used to seeing Steve. And uh, he doesn't have a love life. You know, he, he's insecure about himself. He's curmudgeon. And Shelley Long plays his sister. And she's like this romance novelist. So she wants to be matchmaker. She like sets him up with this girl and she's just like, ugh, she's not feeling him, man. And over time, she creates this persona and he buys into it. And he becomes like this Michael Bolton-esque, uh, like suave Fabio type guy. I like that. I love that yeah. for Steve Goodberg. <laughs> Yeah, man. He goes. Oh, wait a sec. Okay. He goes from this to this. That looks like Billy Ray Cyrus. That don't look like Steve Gutenberg. Billy Ray Bolton. Damn. What a strange twist for a cancer survival tale. For that. I mean, damn. I wish that happened to me, though, honestly. I wish I came out of leukemia with that fucking suave mullet like that, Steve. I mean, one can only wish. Yeah. Uh, and uh, man, that looks crazy. Finally... They gave him like the chubby, like steroid cheeks and shit. They made this like really like accurate. This is crazy. And it's supposed to be a comedy, man. I didn't find the funny in it. <laughs> Damn. I mean, to get once you see that second look, though, once you get to the 90s, like the. Like he got bit by a 90s spider look. That Billy yeah. Ray fucking suave. That's kind of comedic, Steve. So I don't know. It, 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 I mean, there, there are some moments. You, you blink and you missed it. And, and I love the Gutenbergs. Yeah, I fucks with your Gutenbergs. From Police Academy, Three Men and a Baby. What, what, what else? Big Green, to throw that out there. He was in that. I Short believe. Circuit. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Gutenberg, man, he fucking, you a G, bro. But uh, also in 1990, Evening Shade premieres on CBS, and the series stars Burt Reynolds as Woodrow Newton, an ex-professional football player for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
who returns to rural Evening Shade, Arkansas to coach a high school football team with a long losing streak that Reynolds personally requested to use the Steelers as his character's former team because he's a fan. Fun love fact. That. Love that for Bert. Rest in peace. Damn, my parents watched this. Now I remember this because of the um, the dudes behind your head. Ozzy Davis. Ozzy Davis and that other guy, that the bald dude. I forget his name. Well, yeah, uh, Ozzy Davis, he, he would do like the narration uh, leading into the episode and coming out. And uh, this was a fixture on CBS for about three, four years, man. And uh, it's been uh, rumored that Burt Reynolds left the show around the time he split up with Lonnie Anderson and like his you know personal life was interfering with his professional life. And, uh, you know, if I, if I lost Lonnie, I'd, I'd be in a stew too. Because Lonnie was, a, she was that girl. Yeah, dude, that was his fucking number one. That's crazy, Burt. I forgot Burt Reynolds was in it. You know, I remember the show, but I thought it was just some, like, generic dude, not Burt fucking Reynolds. Yeah, this was his starring vehicle, and I, I believe he was nominated uh, a couple of times uh, throughout this run, man. But uh, also in 1990, Going Places debuts on ABC. The series stars Alan Ruck, Jerry Levine, uh, Heather Locklear, and Haley Todd as four young Hollywood writers renting a house together, and it aired as part of the TGIF block, and it's random shit that I remember, Matt, and this is one of them things. Like, I, I remember these people, Heather Locklear, Alan Ruck from Ferris Bueller and Spin City, and, you know, I guess because it was paired up with the full house and family matters, you know, of course I'm going to catch this too. How long did it last though? This couldn't have lasted more than a season because I don't re- I don't remember this at all. 19 episodes, Matt. Okay, so that's probably one season. <laughs> that might be yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah. grand opening, grand closing. Hey, you got to give Alan Ruck some work, dude. He's in Paris Bueller. He'll get, he'll get Spin City eventually. Yeah, you, you want to know who else was in it? A young Stacey Keenan, one year before Step by Step. Now I know why you're really watching this show, Steve. You know why I'm watching. <laughs> yeah. Oh, me girl, I know you're watching. But also in 1991, the Torkelsons debuts on NBC. And I only remember this is because this was where uh, I first saw Minkus. Random shit I remember, Matt. I remember him from this before Boy Meets World. Who's the dad? It almost looks like the guy we interviewed from Saved by the Bell. I know it's not him, but... The dad? Well, Brittany Murphy was also in it. Brittany Murphy? Where's she at in that picture? Look at Minkus, though. She's standing next to Minkus. I can't tell who any of these people... This is just some uggo shit going on here, Steve. What was going on? What happened to actors in the early 90s, Steve? This looks like an Amish, like portrait that they got at Olin Mills. Two <laughs> Two I mean that you you painted that portrait well, man. Two seasons and 33 episodes. And uh yeah, man, it, it uh What's with the kid that's like on the far right that looks like he works at a car lot? Like oh, he's a car mechanic, but he's 12. <laughs> Hey, yo, you need. Hey, you need yo, how's the divorce going? Bitch uh, took me for in... a couple bucks. <laughs> oh, they lived in Pyramid Corners, a community near Venita, Oklahoma. Uh, 
they did what they did to survive a community yeah, you know this is a call that's a compound yeah and thanks for cutting me off man because the premise <laughs> no one cares all 33 episodes of it could have went to hell but uh somebody who probably didn't watch the debut of the torkelsons on nbc is probably michael scotty carl malone patrick ewing and clyde drexler chuck daly and all the people were on the train team because it was announced for the first time fuck mary kill it was the best team ever assembled ever dude you can't beat this team steve this team the cups the merchandise the jerseys the talent dude x-men of sports i just remember being so like never giving a fuck about the olympics could give a shit steve never could give a fuck and then this happened and i was watching every fucking game Let's watch him annihilate the Ukraine by 3,000 points. That's going to be fun. Is it, is it 2 a.m.? <laughs> I, I got time. <laughs> MJ scored 3,000 points? That's crazy, but I'm in. Also, let me go to Mickey D's and get all those cups because that shit was fire. And you know what? We could use a dream team right now. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the world is catching up. These aren't the days of us just going over there and schooling them in our sleep. No, they've been taking notes. This happened in 92, the, the Dream Team. Yeah, man, they were like the Beatles. So but they've been like watching Jokic NBA. just got, wins a championship here and then's like, I'm playing in Serbian, whatever. Like, so he yeah. goes back and takes that. See, I don't know, Steve. You do, we need a hero right now, Steve. We need a montage. We, we need a fucking montage. The best of the best. LeBron, Steph, I know y'all watching. KD, we need, hey man, America, America needs y'all. We need a hero, a hero. Dude, we're, we're cooking with gas, Steve. I think we're, we're gonna get that. This is a movie to be made. I'm in. But uh, in 1993, De La So releases Balloon Mind State, the third album. Uh, it would be the last album produced by Prince Paul. And um, this was very jazzy, man. They actually had jazz artists in there. Uh, one track uh, by Maceo Parker. Uh, he, uh, it's all just instrumental, which is lovely, man. They, they kind of Paul's boutiqued it. I don't know if you're familiar with BC Boys Project. I think uh, that's when they kind of like broke away from the norm of a quote unquote hip hop album. And, you know, they started throwing in some some non sequitur instrumentals, man. And uh, Chris Rock actually considers this one of the 10 best hip hop albums of all time. I think a lot of people like think De La Soul is like really at the top of the heap. You know, especially people like a little bit older than us that really like were of age to listen to all this stuff and appreciate it. De La Soul is like right up there. Yeah, man. Like uh, they were the first group, I think. Them and a tribe called Quest to be like regular rap. Just we're rappers. We're we're black guys that just want to rap with our friends. Uh, you know, we're we're not gangsters like N.W.A. We're not like militant like Public Enemy. We don't have like a gimmick or you know. Not saying those guys are gimmicky, but it is what it is. We're, yeah. I think for our era when we were in college, it was Kanye West. You know, it's like, hey, all these guys are this and that. Da, da, da. I'm just a regular guy at the time that just dropped out of high out of college, and I like rhyming. I'm not a gangster. I'm not a player. 
I was discussing this too, like rap groups like that. Like, remember Jurassic Five? Remember that group? Jurassic Five. Yeah. They're kind of in there, like the Roots too, I guess. If you want to like say that back in the day, like before they really popped off. <clears throat> That's crazy though, and I mean. I need to really dig deep and like go through all of De La Soul because it's like I said I'm not like into like just exploring music like a lot of people are it's just not my thing but I've heard too many people tell me how good they are to not just like go through and just listen to all of it. They might have some stuff you like man but I know you're a G-Funk guy you like that gangster shit. Mm. But uh, also in 93 Nirvana releases In Euro. And that is the one with Hard Shamed Box and Rape Me, All Apologies. And it's it's raw, it, it's got more ruggedness to it, more so than Nevermind. Even Kurt Cobain, he, he complained that Nevermind, it didn't capture the authenticity of the band. It, it's too polished, it's too pretty, shiny and shit. I want, I want, I want that, that garage band feel. So, in utero it was uh i mean this was definitely something i purchased i loved nirvana for a while i don't know man going back it just keeps it, like there's bands i think that i love so much like soundgarden and stuff but this was good and this led into like didn't they do their live uh like the unplugged thing like kind of right after this around this time yeah yeah man and I they mean, they crushed it man there's no denying that but uh, also in 93, another bad creation releases. It ain't what you wear, it's how you play it. Uh, this is the same group that brought us Aisha and Playground. You know, Playground. Oh, yeah. Another oh, ABC fat. Yeah, this album had none of those tracks on it. Um, another bad creation created something bad. And from their cosplay Jackson 5 get-ups to uh, the, the song titles, one of them is Where's Your Little Sister At? And okay. talking about songs that you can't perform now as an adult, <laughs> I was like, let me hear this shit. So I played it and most of the song, they're naming off celebrities and then saying, where's your little sister at? Michael Jordan, where's your little sister at? Magic Johnson, where's your little sister at? Naomi Campbell, where's your little sister at? Halle Berry, where's your little sister at? Will Smith, where's your little sister at? Ice Cube, where's your little sister at? <laughs> I'm sure They were threatened men... by a lot of these people as subsequently after releasing the song. <laughs> <laughs> Suge Knight, where your little sister Shug at? Doctor <laughs> Dre, where's your little sister at? Snoop Dogg, where's your little sister at? Easy E, where's your little sister at? You know how they have those reunion tours when they get older, new kids on the block, new edition. Oh. If another bad creation got back together as thirty something and forty year old men, you cannot perform. Where's your little sister at? Washington, where's your little sister at? Samuel Jackson, <laughs> They're like, yo, let's let's just preface this by saying they gotta be of age, y'all. So now we're gonna get into it. Uh, one, two, three. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, they didn't think that one through, Steve. You know, that was a money grab. Yeah, short, short-term vision right there, man. But uh, also in 1993, NYPD Blue debuts on ABC and, uh, when it was going on, man, never watched an episode. It was too adult for me. But fuck Mary Kill, I kind of wish I did. 
oh, yeah. in, in the first episode, Dennis Franz get blasted by a mobster. They fucking wet him up because he was a drunk cop, I guess, and he would just not get off this mobster's tail. He's like, nah, motherfucker, I'm on you. They go to court. This, this is how the show starts, man. They're in court, and like the dude like either beats the case or uh, no decision, walks off, and Dennis Franz is just hounding dude. He's like, hey, man, I'm telling you, you better back off. So uh, the mobster sets him up with a hooker and like fucking just gets the drop on him pull them like with his pants down literally he's fucking just wets him up i told you motherfucker and the rest of the episode is like will he survive obviously the man does survive because he's in like 110 more seasons of this show but uh i also wanted to say david caruso is a respectable ginger don't say anything about the caruso no i know also <clears throat> now what was the movie he was in was he was in some uh, jack George... city was he in new jack city no. No, that was the guy from uh, Breakfast Club. King of New York? He was in one of those, like, 90s, like, gangster movies. One of them. I can't remember. Uh, Caruso can get He's fine. He's a powerful presence, you know, but there's only so many passes we can give out for these demons. (laughs) And and also, like, this shit was softcore porn. In in this episode, uh, Caruso's getting it in with this other cop. And like you see some booty, you see side boo, yeah. It, like New York Undercover wasn't showing that. Damn like it was a fly show. NYPD yeah. blew my load, Steve. We, we might have to cover some NYPD blue, what? man. Like what, what, what network was this on? This was ABC, bro, in '93. Damn. Throwing on a full house and then throwing on a hooker, blowing away a fucking cop. I like. That's a weird transition, but I, maybe I overlooked this too, Steve. I overlooked Dude. the other one, Newark Undercover, like you said. Yeah. So, Dennis Franz. I think I always thought this was Jake and the Fat Man, honestly. I think it was the Because <laughs> I remember Jimmy Smits. That's who I remember like more than Caruso being on here. It would be like Smits and Dennis Franz. Damn, Smith. Yeah, this was the one with Smits. Fucking yeah. Man. Dude, it where's is Dennis Franz still with us? He's still with us. Oh damn, okay, cool. All of these people still with Caruso. He's living lavishly. He was on that show Miami, uh the one. It was like uh the one that always CS. like ah, he's like CSI? Like we got a Miami style crime. Yeah. You know, you had to be there, Steve. I don't know. I'm stoned. Go for I it. missed that one. Uh, but in uh, 1994, Daddy's Girls debuts on CBS. Uh, Daddy's Girls, it abandoned after three episodes. It, it is notable as the first series in which a gay principal character is played by an openly gay actor, Harvey Firestein. And I really wanted to bring this up so I can get your Harvey Firestein impression. Steve, they took away my damn show. It's I got Carrie Russell. I was too goddamn fiery for these people. Three episodes. Three fucking episodes. It uh, it starred Dudley Moore. It was Dudley Moore, Harvey Firestein, a young Carrie Russell, and once again, Alan Ruck. He's just always on call for these fucking shitty... Me and Dudley Moore used to just do rails of cocaine and just... He blacked out a couple of times. Alan Ruck, he was jacking off in a corner someplace. Me. Chill. <laughs> I don't know, but... I mean, 
I don't think like putting Dudley Moore on a network television show was just a great idea. It seemed like that guy had some issues and you know, Harvey Firestein, yes. Alan Ruck, sure. He's the Steve Zahn of this era. But fucking Dudley Moore, it seems like he's a live wire, Steve. I feel like he probably groped a couple of these chicks, maybe blacked out, who knows. Yeah, I think the network needed some insurance certification before they proceeded. <laughs> but anyway, Steve, thanks for the shout out. But uh, also in 94, Touched by an Angel debuts on CBS. And uh, you, you're talking about a, a mom and pop type of show. I think this lasted in syndication because of the boomer. I mean, my grandma, this, this was the nightmare. Whatever night this was on, this was a nightmare because this would come on and I this was i couldn't stand it steve it's a sweet show an angel intervenes in people's lives and it's great and all that but it just god damn this is meant for like people that are you know in a nursing home that's what this was centered to and i'm sure that this was a cbs show so that tracks yeah followed by murder she wrote followed by 60 minutes but also in 94 the cosby mysteries debuts on nbc what was this like unsolved mysteries or what was this one season and 19 episodes cosby plays guy hanks a new york police department criminalist who retired from the police force after winning 44 million in the lottery his peaceful retirement was frequently interrupted by his former colleagues detective adam sully and medical examiner john chapman who asked him to consult on tough cases so he, he serves as a consultant of sorts uh, it's got a young Lynn Whitfield in it, uh, Rita Moreno, uh, and it's got the mighty most, most deaf in it, man. What the, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> who are the Ann Wizards who came up with this one? Oh, man. But, uh, in 1995, Seinfeld is airing the season seven premiere, The Engagement. While sitting in the coffee shop, Jerry and George resolve to grow up and take life more seriously. Jerry decides to call the woman he recently broke up with because she shushed him. For his part, George has been thinking a lot about his former girlfriend, Susan. After imagining the ideal life they could have together, he goes to her apartment and proposes. She accepts and George almost immediately begins to have second thoughts, especially after Jerry breaks up with his girlfriend a second time. Oh man, this is classic. And also, this is indicative of why this show is genius because you've definitely been through, everybody's been through this all these buyers remorse yeah exactly where you're like this is it this is it guys and you even announce it to everybody and then it's like oh um i feel like a goober <laughs> so yeah dude and we start the episode off weirdly i was like what's going on here but elaine she can't sleep and i've also been here uh where you have a neighbor who has a dog or an animal that won't shut the fuck up and it's driving you fucking insane. So just hold that in the back pocket because that's going on. And also they're playing chess, George and his girlfriend, and he's talking shit. You know, he thinks he's about to win. Yeah, the queen, yeah, she's old fashioned. Ah, she's just there to make the king a sandwich, you know, make sure his, his bed is made by the time he gets off work and blah, blah, blah. Uh, one of these days, Alice. And then before you know it, checkmate, she wins. <laughs> and checkmate on the relationship because we cut to the diner then and George is out. He he broke up with that bitch. 
and uh he's basically explaining to jerry he, jerry's like you broke up with her because you lost in chess dude i felt emasculated yeah <laughs> but he's like he's like dude it's not just that every time that uh we're like we're agreeing on something she goes you happy pappy and that's the killer steve that's the one he's like i after this and the the whole losing thing it's over with and then he, he points the finger at Jerry because he's like, you Briss broke up with a bitch because she shushed you. So why are you talking to my, me about this shit? You know what? You got a point. You know, we need to start taking life seriously. We're freestyling with life. And it's like, why can't we be normal? We, we need to start caring about shit. Yeah, caring about shit. Caring about life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. You know what I was thinking about? Remember, remember Susan? I, I ran into her the other day. You, you, you'd smash her, right? She got nice titties. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And he's like, Jerry's like, wasn't that the one that became a lesbian? He's like, yeah, it didn't take. She's still available. And in this conversation, all the reminiscing, all the nostalgia, Jerry and George sort of, you know, one could say make a pact to, you know, alter their life course and maybe start giving a fuck, Steve. One could say, maybe if I'm looking at it, one might say a pact. Who knows? It might be one-sided. But uh, back at Jerry's apartment, he's on the phone and he tells the girl, hey, you know what? You could shush me anytime. Yeah. Is, is that all right with you? You happy, baby? <laughs> and then Kramer comes in and, you know, Jerry asks him, you know, it's like, there's got to be more to life, right? He's like, no, dude. What, 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 are, you, what are you thinking about? You, you sound like you're thinking about marriage and a family that type of shit no dude don't don't follow down that road it, it's a trap it's prison you always have to ask permission to use the restroom you can't eat while you watch tv anymore that's out it's prison jerry it's prison <laughs> i mean he makes a hell of a sales pitch so much you know i think it gets jerry thinking steve and then we cut to the beach and the boardwalk and George is like just sitting on the boardwalk reminiscing and he's just seeing couples everywhere, which happens. This happens when you're single. You're like, everyone's just in love and I'm just lost at the beach. And, and this is back. hilarious without yeah. it. I don't know if that was the intent, but he just looks pathetic and funny just sitting there <laughs> on the dock of the bay like Otis Redding, goddamn. And, you know, cut back to Jerry's and Lane's there. She's hoarse because she can't stop screaming at a fucking dog that won't shut the fuck up. And Kramer's like, you know, what if the dog had an accident? I might know a guy who knows a guy who might be able to create that situation. And uh, Jerry's like, you're going to off the dog? And, you know, Kramer's sort of vague about what, who, and where this might happen. But he's like... I'll hook you up with the guy. So then we cut to Newman's. Yeah. Newman's like fucking, uh, just some fucking Don Corleone type. He's in the shadows. He's got a stogie. And he's like, what kind of breed is it? <laughs> he's getting all the details and shit. I see many dogs on my route. They serve no purpose. Those vile, venomous. Newman! Like, Kramer had to like, snap yeah. out of it. Yeah, and Elaine's like, you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't want you to kill a dog, man. Like, I'm not into this. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And Kramer's like, no, 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 no. Like, maybe a, maybe a light dog napping 
you know, maybe we take we get the dog. Fucking dog nap it and uh take it upstate. Fuck it. Let's see what happens. But cut back to the 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 uh boardwalk and George is now full reminisce mode. He's thinking of Susan, he's thinking of their future, he's thinking of kids, the whole thing. And he just sort of like comes out of a daydream and just starts jogging, Steve. Which is weird for a Costanza to do, but God damn it, he's got a hair up his ass, bud. But once again, hilarious, as he runs through this flock of seagulls. <laughs> yeah. And Elaine, back at her crib, she's trying to do some work, and that dog is still barking. Because when she left Newman, she was like, you know what, I, I'll sit on it. Let, let, let me stew on it, and I'll, I'll come back with an answer. It's like, oh, I, you know I'm a beer, you know I live. So after this, like, this shit is just, like, going through her head. She can't work. It's driving her bad shit. You know what? Something's got to be done about this dog. Now, initiate operation dog aside, motherfucker. So, yeah, she dials them digits, Steve. She she initiates the operation. And I don't know what you do in this situation, man. Like, isn't a knock on the door? Couldn't you just do that? <laughs> that, you yeah. But this Don't, is Seinfeld in front of us. Yeah, right. We make mountains out of molehills here. But uh, back at Jerry's, he's he's having a date, and he's bothered. Triggered by the way his date is eating her peas one by one. One at a time? This is weird. At least say something. Um, but I don't know. Is it going to last? She's got Asperger's. I don't know. But, like, would you break up with a chick for this, Steve? This is super petty, and I'm a petty motherfucker. This is beyond petty. But he does bring up the the point that it took hours for this woman to eat dinner because of this. This is it's crazy behavior. Red flag. But um, go back to Susan's, and uh, Susan being George's hopeful wife or girlfriend, he he knocks on the door. Steve, he's in love. And he doesn't tell her he's in love. He's like, will he goes right to the fucking, the ultimate, will you marry me? And at the doors, I can't believe it, Steve. I can't believe it. And this woman doesn't shoo him away. Weirdly enough, she agrees to this. I think it's a, he says after a couple hours of talking about it, he really got to her. And George immediately has to get his mom and dad on the phone because they never expected something like this. Him to find an actual woman that's real. Frank can't Oh my god! <laughs> With a woman! Yeah. yeah. You come here! Yeah, and then she they get her on the phone. She's like, why? George's mom is like, why do you love him? Yeah. Hmm? <laughs> like... I'm sure she's hella gorgeous. What does it matter if she look? What does she look like? So she's not um, pretty. <laughs> and so George is engaged now. He's he's moved forward in that like talk. The talk had it really inspired him. So we go back to Jerry's apartment building and out in the hallway he sees Kramer. Kramer's acting a little weird. He's like, where are you going? And Kramer has like rope and shit. And Jerry yeah. puts two and two together. He's like, You're going after the dog! Fucking <laughs> and Kramer leaves, and then George comes over, and he's like, "Kramer, where are you going? I got great news." So Kramer leaves, and they go into Jerry's, and uh, he announces he's engaged. 
and uh, you know it's hilarious because he's like, "Yeah, are you fucking stoked?" And Jerry's like, "Yeah, man, great." Like, and yeah, uh, Susan, did you fuck her right? Like, yeah, she's got a nice butt. Yeah, yeah, like nice hair. Her her cheeks blush. She's got the blush. Um, but. Then George finds out a bombshell that Jerry actually broke up. I think her name's, I forget what the chick's name is. It's like Melina or something. I don't know. That's from Mortal Kombat. But he broke up with the chick because of the peas. You know, it was one thing to be shush, but then to add this pea thing onto it, that's when it actually got weird, Steve. And he had to break it off. And George is left there like, wait, dude, like, what? (laughs) You said. What happened to the pact? Yeah, dude, we shook hands. Well... I just remember you like extending your hand and I shook it. You put your hand out. <laughs> we had a pact, man. He's like, pact? What? No, I didn't say I was going to get married. Right. <laughs> okay, weirdo. Like, but but <laughs> you are. So, uh, like, you, you love her, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, you want to spend the rest of your life with her, right? Yeah. Sure. He's like, well, let's get some champagne. And George is like, hey, man, cool party on and then jerry's like i don't have any champagne sorry bud and he's like all right see you later it's just <laughs> awkward side, like it's little moments like that that makes this shit great man yeah and uh pact maybe broken friendship and shattering uh then we cut to the dog napping steve we're in like i guess kramer's rape van i don't know whose rape van this is but newman kramer and elaine are just like on a stakeout waiting for this dog to start making noise and uh, she wants to, uh, Elaine is like, you know what? I don't like being in a rape van with you two guys. I think I'm going to call this off. And Kramer's like, no, man, we're going to deliver this into a country field. And he's going to prance around with a new family and prance and this and that prancing. He keeps saying prancing. And I guess that's enough to sell it, uh, Elaine, because you know, I think she hears the dog start barking and she's like, that's it. It, it triggers her and she's like, go get it get that motherfucker get that so they dog. get the dog and it's a little runt yeah and she's like wait there's no way that's the dog there's no way and there, somebody says like well make it bark and god damn it steve this dog that won't stop barking won't bark um they don't know but they got a dog so hopefully it's the right one newman's like you said the one in the second thing i got the one in the second thing this is a dog what do you want to do here we just committed a felony, I think. And meanwhile, Jerry comes to George's house and reality's already set in with this relationship because now they were going to go see Firestorm in the theaters. But George says like, you know what? I didn't tell Susan about it. And she actually wants to see Muted Heart. So it's like, all right, fun. Hope on somebody else to go. Yeah. And then we cut to later when everybody's getting out, George and Susan are out of uh, their movie, Susan's in Tears. I tell you, you think they're gonna find each other and george is like yeah they're probably gonna find each other great whatever yeah and then he sees jerry and his random friend coming out and they're like dude firestorm bro dude that was, that was the greatest <laughs> so clearly it's not all it's cracked up to be he didn't think this marriage thing over and it's all there's not even a honeymoon period he he proposed and then was like ah, fuck <laughs> i love that he sees that friend with Jerry's like, that was supposed to be me. And now Kramer, he drops the dog off and 
Oh, were you about to say? No, I, I, I was going right into that. You got it. Uh, yeah, he drops the dog off at somebody's porch, and the dog bites off something. It says Rudy's. Was it like a handkerchief? Yeah, I don't understand this part of it, but it did say Rudy. It took something off of his shirt or whatever he had, or coat. And so there's a piece of fabric that this dog will not let go of. Kramer leaves. The dog just immediately just starts backtracking, homeward bounding itself back to its owner with this piece of fabric in its mouth. But they think the job's done. The job has been done. They've delivered the dog. The dog napping's been done. Elaine can sleep peacefully in her bed now um but who knows the dogs have weird senses like i said homeward bound maybe it's gonna find its way back to the owner we'll see um but we cut back to jerry's now and jerry's sitting with elaine and he wants to know he's like so what's up with this dog who was the dog napper who was this mysterious man that you used and elaine's like i don't want to tell you who it was and he's like well i'm not gonna tell you the big fucking news that i got because Elaine doesn't know about George yet. And he's like, oh, just wait, bitch. I want to know who this dog napper is pronto. Yeah. And George, like, he can't sleep. Jerry, he's well rested. Kramer has nightmares about that damn dog from it biting him. And <laughs> the dog, like, in, in real time, it returns home. It found its way back home. And it's barking again. And once again, Elaine is pissed. Like, what the fuck? How did he make it way back home? And we see the owners, like, sees this piece of fabric and is like, Rudy's. Hmm. And I somehow she knows what that means. I, that's what I don't place in this episode, Steve. But anyway, yeah. um, Elaine eventually does find out. I think she reveals who the dog napper is. Jerry tells her about George. She does that Elaine thing where she's like, get out. And she, like fucking words fuck tailors you out of the fucking way um we get that moment i don't know if this is the first time that happened or not this is series, season seven so i can't imagine that is but well jerry actually put two and two together himself she never came clean about who did it because when he opens the door he sees a cop at kramer's crib and they're arresting him and then like because the, the cop shows him the rudy's and i guess jerry everybody in the show knows about this rudy's association me and you don't and we watch it <laughs> so he so jerry sees that he was like newman yeah and also the cops say newman because they go right to newman's and he's like when the cops open when he opens the door the cops open his door he's just sitting there like what took you so long you sons of bitches i love newman dude he's so fucking funny. yeah he's starting to become one of my favorites on here definitely more so than kramer um and basically then we cut to uh, a cop car because elaine newman and kramer all going downtown uh like i said they did commit a crime somehow they put it together very quickly and uh newman's like he's not even worried about it he's like you know what i'm gonna have this place surrounded by male people in about two hours we're gonna be out of this place by noon but elaine is like going through what George and Jerry went through at the beginning of the episode and was like, what am I doing here? Like, I gotta do something with my life. Fucking in the back of a cop car with Newman. Yeah. And uh, George is living in his hell, his own personal hell, because Susan take mad about you. Like, while everyone is going on dog capers and whatnot, he's watching the television audience laughing at Paul Reiser jokes. 
I just love that the, the that's the end that's like the credits of the show and it's literally like yeah. a solid 30 seconds of George just looking pissed off and annoyed while you hear the mat like the whole mat about you intro song. I, I love that dig because like I never watched an episode and I never will unless you pay us on Patreon and like his the look on his face he's hurt. He hates his life. But uh, September 21st, 1997, New York Yankee Cecil Fielder hits his 300th home run. And I don't remember him being a Yankee, but... Yeah, I don't yeah. either. He's a tiger in my mind, but that's I always love me some Cecil Fielder, dude. Nice plus-size ma major leaguer. Love that. Representing for the Chubs. But uh, in 98, the King of Queens debuts on CBS. Doug Hefferman gets a 70-inch TV to make his sports basement dream complete, but the dream turns into a nightmare when Carrie's father moves into the basement. Classic. A couple of things that changed off of this, off of the pilot, but um, I am a huge lover of King of Queens. I love Kevin James, and uh, I, this series is fucking funny, mostly to me because of a character we get to see later in this, the dad, Jerry Stiller steals the show yeah i mean does in seinfeld that we just watched too but um in this doug comes in hot uh guy owns a house but he's yelling at all of his neighbors because they're making fun of his fucking short shorts that he has to wear for his job um and carrie's like chill out dude um got a little surprise for you little something early came go down in the basement check it out because doug has like a little man cave set up missing one thing a giant fucking TV, Steven. The dream finally comes. It's there. It's happening. And he's in love with it. I can watch my Jets lose on a big screen. <sighs> oh my God. And this is it, Steve. This is every guy's dream. We I, Still, when you get a big ass TV, it just call them boys up. Call somebody up. You got to enjoy it with the buds. And the pay-per-views. Uh, yeah. And, and like immediately i mean not even five minutes into him having the fucking tv and even finding out about it his three boys that will come to uh meet and know about just all fall down the stairs and I, to be honest with you they might have killed each other to see this tv steve it ain't that big it's big enough to, for them to stumble down the stairs we get introduced to deacon richie and spence played by pat Oswalt. i love it i mean Deacon and Spence are going to be there for the long haul. Richie, I think Richie goes away after a while. That's one character. He's there for a while, but I think he falls by the wayside after a certain point. And uh, Judy uh, Winslow him. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's happening, Steve. The TV's there. The boys are watching it. And even in a crippling, like, fall down the stairs, Deacon, I think, or one of them's like, damn, that TV is nice. Paying those respects, you know. And uh, we find out that they're going to have dinner at Carrie's dad's house. And we can also see that Doug is not feeling that idea. We, we sense that Doug feels a certain way about Carrie's father. And he's trying, she's like, dude, we canceled like eight times. There's only so many grandparents that have died and this and that. Like, we got to go. And he's like, come on. He just, that's basically it. He's just like, come on. This I TV. fucked the shit out of you. Yeah, this like, yeah. TV, the us naked in the ba basement chilling. Let's do this. And the salesman he is, Steve, she calls. She's like, all right, next time, though. Let's get down to that basement. 
make some waves. <laughs> and uh, they go down there. They're hanging out. Doug's living the dream. Five minutes into that, we hear this fucking knock on the door. It's like, cop knock. Where she's like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's just an urgent knocking on the door. It'll go away. Just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, keep watching this big ass TV. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't go away. So he has to go upstairs. He opens the door. And uh, it's Carrie's sister, who is just another person who is a character in this that will disappear pretty quickly. But she's got some bad news, Steve. Carrie's father's wife kicked the bucket. And Doug doesn't even get the respect of opening the door. He slams it on her, and she delivers that news through the mail slot. And the next scene, we're at the funeral. And this is how we're introduced to Arthur. That's Carrie's dad. And he's just like focused on this guy making sandwiches. It's like this, that's the, like the fifth sandwich he didn't make. Look at where the bologna's going. It's going into his pockets. He's stealing all my coconuts. And he confronts the guy, Steve. He's like, hey, bud, you coming to my wife's funeral to fucking steal some meat? Get out of here. Give me that. And he steals the meat. Uh, and Carrie, we cut to Carrie and their sister and they're talking. They're like, so what about this home? We got to get him into this home because uh, he's stealing meat from people out there. This guy's a loose cannon. And her sister, Sarah, I believe her name is. Well, where am I going to live? I, I got nowhere to stay. Well, uh, bitch. Is it cool? Is it cool if I stay with y'all? I love this. Doug's not even anywhere near that. But Carrie's like, yeah, of course. And I mean, it's her family, whatever. Yeah. But she's like, you can stay until you get on your feet. Uh, but we do have to talk to dad about this. But then everyone's leaving. Arthur's there. They're going to start having the conversation. And Carrie's or uh, Carrie's sister's like, oh hey dad, um, I just think it's we need to take uh, some pressure off you, so I'm gonna move out. Carrie said that I could move in with them for a while, which Doug's like in the background, like, okay, that's uh. fucking weird. And uh, but the sister's like, I'm gonna move out, so just want you to know. And the dad, they're thinking, I think in their heads that you know Arthur's gonna be like, no, please don't leave me, but he's like, cool. Um, actually, I'm going to turn your uh, room into a greenhouse so I can uh, grow some of that medicine, if you know what I'm talking about, that glaucoma med. I love that. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. A little subtle uh, hint of some weed there. I love that. But he doesn't give a fuck. He's not even really upset, it doesn't seem like. He's got no emotion about the fact that he has a dead wife. So he's like, cool, like you're out i'm gonna be growing weed and fucking in this empty house that sounds great to me uh but carrie's sister's like hey uh we have something else to tell you too carrie putting her on the spot and she's like yeah dad um just think you maybe want to move into a home so they blindside him with that and you don't do that to arthur not arthur spooner steve he doesn't take not a man with pride just because i'm old i'm come up you think i'm you think i can't take care of myself i'm gonna live in this house by myself same house that I made with my own two hands. Cut to the next scene. That house is on fire. It's gone. It's fully gone, Steve. There's nothing saving it. And uh, cut to Doug and Carrie's. And Doug comes in. And he's like, something smells like barbecue in here, like hickory smoke. What's going on here? Why is Arthur here? Why is your sister here? What's going on? And when he finds out that the house is gone. And we find out that Arthur, in his 
you know, being alone, he's like, I guess he has like a lucky hot plate that he had to cook on and that's what caused the fire. And they're like, see, this is why you have, you can't live by yourself. And he's like, it's my lucky hot plate. And it is lucky because it's the only thing that survived the fire. So that proves it. Okay. Still intact. Off my back. Yeah. It's from 1942. <laughs> Made it through the Eisenhower. Goddamn uh, Roosevelt administration. Shit. Then seen some things. Shit. Survived Hiroshima. Um, but now they got to figure some shit out because there's two homeless people in their kitchen. And basically what happens now is what Doug's nightmare is where he's, he, I do like what Doug's doing where he's like, yeah, I mean, this sucks, but we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, he's not really yeah. saying they'll do anything. He's like, yeah, we'll figure it out. But Carrie's is just like, you can tell it's, it's affecting her, Steve. It's her dad. She doesn't want to put him in a home. He doesn't want to go in a home. So she puts this on Doug's shoulders, a game. You know what? We need a little stay here. Fuck. <laughs> I do like how they Carrie crying conversation though because she's like I just Doug's like I don't know what the alternative other than like a nursing home is and Carrie's like well there is one alternative and he's like euthanasia fucking <laughs> cuz living here definitely's not a fucking option. Yeah, I, this man cave is decked the fuck out. Like I can't where are we going to put him? The garage? I mean I mean, that's kind of fucked up, but okay. You can live outside. Can't put him inside the TV. There's tubes in there. Yeah. And it, it went from Carrie crying to now Doug's crying because he relents finally. And he's just like, oh, shit. He can fucking stay here too. God damn. I don't have a bad game. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm going to go upstairs. And he's like, she's like, are you coming? He's like, I just need a couple more minutes, girl. <laughs> Hold me. I mean, here's the thing, though. This guy, like, the dad's enough. The dad's a lunatic. Then you're adding the sis on top of that. You got to you're adding two extra hot bodies in it. Not hot, like, pause. Two bodies, yeah. warm bodies, whatever the fuck. Yeah. This ain't going to work out. But Doug, he's a good husband, Steve. So he's like, fine, go do it. He has his moment. And then we cut later. And, you know... It really hasn't changed that much because him and his boys are still watching a big screen TV, Steve. But it's in bed, in his bedroom, in his bed, and you can only see about half of it because the room's so small that it cuts off half the TV. So yeah, you got four grown ass men sitting on a bed under the covers. Yeah. Well, and also Halfway. a couple things going on here. Richie's eating like a damn foot long sub in the with all the cold cuts and shit on it, all the accoutrements. So that's a problem. Get that <laughs> out of here. And then Spence, uh, Pat Oswald's weird, creepy little ass. He's trying to get under the covers with these guys, and uh, you know, that's we can't have that. What Deacon's like covers off, mother. He like man, has a moment yeah, where he's like, "Come on, man, take them covers off." Shit. I can't see what the the damn jets just did. It went under the fucking bedpost. God, you're popping a wood under my fucking leg. What the fuck? <laughs> so now Doug, he's trying to shave. And Carrie's sister Sarah, she comes in and she takes a shower. And he just can't ignore this naked body that's not his wife behind him while he's trying to cut his damn goatee. Like goddamn Jessica Rabbit over there. It's like, god damn it. So... He's trying to not 
look, but he's looking. But then we cut down, we see the aftermath, because he's got about like 70 little little tabs of fucking TP because he cut his face into ribbons looking at those silhouette titties, Steve. And Carrie really doesn't give a fuck too much about that, but that's kind of, that's odd. Well, she doesn't know. She wasn't there. He's Because she wants to know, like, man, so, like, why is your face fucked up? Well, uh, I can't really go into details. I would rather not say. And to add insult to injury also, you know, Doug's got to hang out with his boys in his bed. He ain't getting sex. He's looking at weird women in his bathroom naked. And then Arthur comes up talking about having morning wood out of his damn man cave. It's like, damn, I can't get any breaks here. So... Um, it's not working, Steve. The arrangement, the whole sitch. I'd be getting every fucking brochure for a fucking uh, nursing home at this point. And the sister, you gotta go, lady. You're a full-grown adult actress. Okay. All right. I'm gonna end up having sex with you. <laughs> you gotta go. Um, and later, he can't even escape on the road, Steve, because he's in his on truck getting calls road. from Carrie she's like hey love you pouring it on thick because he's basically just cucked at this point steve to use a a modern day term he's just been completely curb stomped emotionally and uh she's telling him how great he is how much this decisions have affected her father and how it's 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 really settled him down you know to be honest he's in the room right now reading the bible i forget what book she says he's reading but He's then Doug's like, all day. cool. And he looks over, and Arthur's in a con- convertible with what we find out are hookers, Steve. He's got some <laughs> fucking street walkers, and he's going out on the town. And I do love that for a retired man. Recently, deaded wife also. I love that. And he's blaring polka music. I don't know if you caught I didn't catch. <laughs> I didn't catch that. I just saw the three hookers in the fucking uh goddamn uh fear and loathing in las vegas convertible it looked awesome he looked like he was having a great time living his best life he even said when he told him about the morning was like you know what today's gonna be my day um but arthur's out there getting hookers and you know carrie's not happy about it doug's not happy about it the sister's ambivalent because she's out there trying to get acting work and arthur you know i question here did he bring the hookers back to the crib, Steve? I think they said something about that because Doug ends up laying the law. Like, I I, I want to say one of the things like, hey, man, don't bring hookers back to my place of residence. That's for one. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, yeah, and he does lay the law because he's like, listen, you're not going to step in front of me with your sexy ass in the shower. So I got to look at some sexy body that I can't touch while I'm shaving because I almost cut my jugular. You no hookers that should be you should understand that at this point and uh you know i feel like arthur respects this he he gets demonic he gets you know doug steps up and i feel like he's he's now the alpha dog in the house the man in the house man and uh first episode man we get some character establishment with all parties involved yeah and Arthur, at the end of this, we do find, like, they're about to get freaky and the lights start flickering. We do find out Arthur still might have a hot plate. So TBD. The next episode might be them looking for a new house because he burned it down. But no, this is a great episode. We get, you know, like all pilots, you want to get introduced to people real quick. And I think it does a great job of that. And it also, like, we, I, it's funny to sort of be a fan of the show 
and I kind of forgot there was a sister involved. Like with Carrie's side, it's just usually her and her dad. And I think the sister's like, maybe even after this episode, they're just like, bye. <laughs> Richie, sister, yeah, serve no purpose. I mean, Richie's, so, he's in there for a while and he's like a good, he's just a fucking like, they make a stereotypical Italian, hey, hey. It's when New York, so you know. Yeah. Got to. Hell yeah. Finally get to talk about Did you, Were you a fan of King of Queens, just out of curiosity? Is this a show that you watched or have watched before we got into it here? No, it was on CBS. So, like, that kept <laughs> me away from it. Um, I would catch it on syndication, but I, I paired it with Everybody Loves Raymond. And I just, I think because they were both on CBS, maybe if they were on ABC or NBC, I would have gave them a shot. Because they're actually not bad shows, man. I mean... Uh, everybody loves Raymond. All cast members. It was an ensemble cast. Everybody did the part. Same thing with King of Queens, man. Even his buddies. And of course, there's uh, Jerry Stiller. You know, so you, you throw some Jerry Stiller in there, stir it. Plus, we Oof. get a bite. You get Patton Oswald. You get um, Rachel Dratch. Eventually, is a character in this show. Uh, the blonde chick that was in Mad TV is a huge character in this show. They eventually hire her to be like a she's a dog walker but they hire her to walk arthur because they just want to get him out of their hair so she becomes like a regular character on it nicole funny, sullivan man. yeah I, I think that is it yep and of course there's leah remini mm. yeah she's sexy and she gets sexier and sexier in this show too steve so and then deacon's oh, I mean, wife is a super hottie when she gets involved from what i remember yeah she was cold man so yeah we, we definitely got to cover some more kevin james and company but uh, you know who probably didn't watch King of Queens when it debuted on CBS in 1998, Matthew? Probably the Yon Man, because he was releasing Forbidden Dreams, Encore Collection, Volume 2. It's Encore like... Encore Collection, Steve? I mean, this guy couldn't stop putting out hits. You know, they they talk about how Tupac was just vigorous in the, in the studio, just tearing up the boot. He can write 11 songs in an hour. But damn. Could he light the candle, the torch of the Yan Man? The Yanni, like, catalog has to be astronomical from what we've just seen. I mean, we're covering just random days. Every time we talk, this guy released an album, Steve. Whether I mean, it's 91, 96, 98, he's done something every week in the 90s. Well, he has to pay for all that hair conditioner and mustache wax and stuff and all the, you know all the child support that I'm sure he has to pay to all the women that he sexed because above all else we know that Yanni is a sexual dynamo and I mean from what I can see here maybe one of the most prolific music musicians ever but definitely in the 90s for sure for sure what does he even play piano piano oh, he's a piano and keyboard if you look him up live Steve the only reason I even know that is because they used him in impractical jokers the tv show because one of the dudes likes him but uh oh, wow. if you look up because i got curious about this because we talk about him so much if you look him up live dude this guy is playing two-handed keyboards on either side and like he's going full ensemble performance just by himself i mean the guys he's got some talent steve those fingers got some magic in him pause but just don't get any like older ladies next to this guy because they're gonna get sexed. Don't. <laughs> Yanni Das Wonder Kid, but uh, also in 1998, Will and Grace debuts on NBC. 
never seen one fucking episode but it was a thing for a long time actually 246 episodes 11 uh, more than a decade 11 seasons and then they came they brought it back because it was so popular they brought it back to one of the streamers recently and to Ooh. give some shout outs to somebody who is good on this show i'm not a huge fan but i did have to watch it because of girlfriends in my life at random points kendra too the chick who's looking sassy behind you uh that's related or married to the dude from community ron swanson ron swanson that chick's fucking funny that chick's hilarious in the show megan Mullally. there you go called it i I'll never forget that name because Megan Mullally, that's a name of a woman with big titties. And I don't know if this woman has big titties, but like that name, that's that last name, Mullally, Megan Mullally. I just like, uh, like that's what it gives me, Mullally. That's what she should do every time someone's, Mullally. I mean, shout I out to her also because she was in Frasier and she almost sexed Niles Crane up because she was, she was just a sex pot in that show too. So just living it up in the 90s Megan Mullally as Steven says triple D's on that motherfucker Damn. I don't even she might not have big titties I don't know but she she got some sexiness to her but uh, in, in 1999 Brian McKnight releases back at one it's like a dream come true too <laughs> man Brian McKnight makes some fucking baby makers I mean, he helped Martin woo Gina and get that ring put on, Steve. If, you, if that don't just, like, cinch it, clinch it, whatever the word is, my dude, I love me some... Didn't Brian McKnight also have a funny, like, kind of comedic, like, sexual song? Like, let me get the pussy. It was, like, something like that. I, I feel like he collaborated with SNL. He did something. So, yeah. Like I know what you're talking about. He's got some comedic sensibility. Shout out to Brian McKnight. But also in 99, another good singer, Chris Cornell releases Euphoria Morning. And I remember this being on the uh, making a video when MTV had that. They would pick a song of an artist and they'll show you the behind the scenes. And uh, the, the video that they made the song was... Uh, She's going and change the world, but she can't change me. No, she can't change me. This this whole album, Euphoria Morning, is pretty dope, man. Cause like as we know, the guy's a talented singer and very soulful, man. Um, it, it's a break away from his Soundgarden stuff. It's definitely not like the Audio Slave stuff. Uh, it, it's more an acoustic variety, man. And you know, you add some Chris Cornell with some some beautiful acoustic, if you will. Can't go wrong. This is this is good music to start your day with. I'll say that. Okay. For, I didn't remember he had a solo joint. I, he had I a couple. I don't. I didn't remember that, but I'm definitely have to check this out because Chris Cornell. I mean, if he's bringing the pipes, I don't know if he's playing the shit or what, but it's got to be yeah. good. Yeah, he's on the acoustics too, man. But uh, also in '99, Our Lady Peace releases "Happiness Is Not a Fish That You Can Catch." I, I remember the album cover, and uh, this is the one with the uh, one man army. I remember falling. You can only take Our Lady Peace for, for so long, man. Because the guy's voice, it's just like uh, bits and pieces. This is the guy who did ah he ah he ah he yeah. Superman's <laughs> dead. He kind of has like a, like if Adam Sandler was a serious singer, 
Because he does a lot of hot hair. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Ooh. Oh, the Undertaker. That's funny. Our Lady Peace, dude. Yeah, I. that's one of those bands I remember, like, being pissed when I would see my buddies have that in their CD. I'd be like, God damn it. You fucking pussy. I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Are you better than... I thought you were better than this. Like, I'm not uh, hanging you out. I, I would add Superman's Dead to a playlist, you know, or something they, like that. You but know, speaking they of had Adam, a couple, though. I'm with you on that. I'll give them that. But a full album? Come here, buddy. I want to punch your glasses off. But uh, speaking of Adam Sandler, Stan and Judy's Kid is released. And... This uh, has been certified gold at this point, and it, it didn't get any like mainstream radio push. He didn't have any like releases or videos like Chris Rock would do for his. But um, this was also nominated for best spoken uh, word album. Man, it didn't win, but he. This is one of the things I miss most about this era of comedy in general because this isn't the first comedy album he had. He had two, I think, before this. Uh, but these things are hilarious. They're audio skits. They're song comedy songs. They're R-rated for a guy that was in SNL. So there's a lot of like crazy sexual shit that you were just like, oh, Adam Sandler's saying this crazy shit. And this one, I'm trying to think of some funny ones. There's one called The Psychotic Legend of Uncle Donnie, where a guy kills a yeah. bunch of people on a boat. And I think there's another one about golf where... Um, there's like there it's like a pga announcer and the golfer is like a legend but he's drunk and he's there the whole thing is the like champion. The guy having, he's like the champion is taking a shit into the cup and it ends with the guy getting like shot and killed i think this doesn't sound hilarious but it is no, it's very it, fucking no. funny and the thing that sucks though man uh spotify they block out a lot of these comedy albums i don't know what it is i'm sure if i did deep enough in google i'll find out but um a lot of these comedy albums man they'll pick just like maybe a, a track and then it'll skip like half the fucking album i had man. all these me and jordan used to listen to that uncle donnie skit uncle donnie stop that that shit it's so fucking funny man like and there's no there's no video it's you're just listening to these funny ass sketches this is something that like dumb like it's not dumb but i just always wanted to try to replicate shit like this you know to re just record like comedy audio sketches and stuff because then you don't have to like film it you just have to write it well and that's how good this shit was it was fucking dying out loud funny with your buddies just listening to it like low so the mom and dad didn't hear the shit because it's raunchy as fuck even for those standards that those days standards yeah. but uh any callbacks honorable mentions or takeaways sir it's getting exciting for 90s people, Steve, and for me specifically, because there's two things, just real quick, I don't want to, like, plug shit that we're not getting money off of, but I'm excited for. Uh, there's a new Mortal Kombat video game coming out, and I love Mortal Kombat, and I'm a sucker for that, so I'm going to go back and play that and love that. And also, we talked about it just now, but Frasier, they just released a preview for the uh, reboot of it they're doing for Peacock, and we've discussed I hate reboots, I don't like it but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic and excited about it. It looks fun. It looks like it's in the same vein of it. And from what I hear, they're gonna try to get a lot of the people that are available still to do like cameos in it. You know, like uh, David Hyde Pierce, Carrie Gilpin and uh, Daphne and stuff. So yeah. 
who knows it, i hope it's good and as somebody who loves Frasier, I just want this to be fun and like to be sort of, it's not going to be as good as the Ridge, but you know, hopefully they don't fuck it up. <laughs> I'm excited to see them not do that. Yeah. I'm going to keep my eyes and ears out for it too, man. They have most of the, the key parts there, but like Martin Crane brought a lot to that dynamic, man. So like, it's going to be interesting to see like how they're going to go about this without him, man, because like, he served like he was the antithesis of his sons and so yeah. you know not having that like you would think they're, they're going to have a substitute of some sort they would well, have to i was going to say one i've read that they're actually going to pay tribute to the like martin oh. character martin crane the character in the show of course. but if you watch the preview what they're doing is he's moving back to boston He's trying to reconnect with his son who doesn't like him. And his son's a guy's guy. His son's a firefighter. So his son's sort of so, taking the place of his dad, but also they're sort of replicating that relationship he had with his dad because his son doesn't want to hang out with him. He's, he's averse to that. So there's a little bit of similarity there too. So I think like the way they're doing it, they're sort of, yeah. you know, they're giving you that same relationship, but now it's with his son instead of his dad. So I think it's, if they do it right, I think it'll be fun, man. I really think they've thought it out. I don't, man. Yeah, well, like, guys, uh, it's, it's going to be this year. I honestly, I think it's coming out like in October. Like, I think October twelfth, if I'm not mistaken. But it's going to be on uh, Paramount Plus because, um, and that's who's producing it. So I'll let you know, man. I got the fucking app, and I'm definitely going to be there day one. Because Kelsey Grammer, dude, that's a legend, man. I love that dude, and I love. Frazier, it has a special place in my heart, weirdly enough. So how about you though? What's any shout outs? I know you got your birthday coming up, so shout out to that, but what else? Uh 91, Saved by the Bell is airing the aftermath. This is a, a week later after Zach's been dumped. And what I love about this is Zach's pettiness because they're at the max and he's on a date with Screech's cousin, who happens to be actually attractive. And the gang sitting at the table is like, oh, you you know my friends. There's Screech, there's Slater, there's Jesse, there's Lisa. And Kelly's there waiting on him. And he's just like, oh, yeah, you, uh, get us the best table you can find. And uh, the, the sexy one right here, she'll have a milkshake with me, two straws. And I love that. that like, I applaud that. And they, they, Yeah, the petty pants were on for Zach. But they, they get on him for being petty. Like the rest of the friends turn on him because they were siding with him. It's like, oh, dude, you're being a piece of shit. You knew, you know I that mean, was Kelly's give song. Give the guy a week, though, y'all. He got his damn chick stolen by a 38-year-old dude. I mean, what are you fucking going to do here? Let him have his fun. And speaking of Kelly, uh, also in the college years in 93, it's called the Rush Week. That's the episode. Uh, the guys are trying to get to a fraternity. The girls are trying to get in a sorority. And Kelly Kapowski, at one point, she's on her knees pleading to be in the sorority. And the back of her feet are dirty as fuck. I was so disappointed. I was like, damn, girl, you've been driving Flintstone cars? Like, you still sexy, though. She got dope fiend feet, Steve? Man, like Ew. she was dating Pookie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't damn, Kelly really let it go in the college years. She's got dirty feet and she's fucking professors. What's going on here? Well, Wheels you know fall. how it was in college. You know, you yeah. let us off the porch and we run a month. Don't know how to take care of ourselves. Man, you ain't bathed in three days. But uh in, in 1994, Larry Sanders show is airing the episode The 14th Floor, and that was hilarious. It had a cameo from Haley Joel Osment and John Ritter. Um, but we've covered quite a few Larry Sanders in the recent past. And uh yeah, man. 
Oh yeah, Steve. Well, there we go. And once again, everybody, send Steve a happy birthday as soon as possible because it's about to happen. So Steve, I love doing the show with you. Happy birthday. And the dancing girls are on the way right now. So just get ready. Got Looking it. forward to it, man. I appreciate that, man. I couldn't find a better cohort to do this with. Uh, like I, I tell people who haven't seen it, one of my, my advertisement slogans, hey, me and this guy, we were talking about this stuff in the 90s when it happened in real time Hell but yeah. uh please like share subscribe and comment please tell your sister where's a little sister at where's a little sister at michael b jordan where's your little sister at <laughs> little One, baby two, where's your little sister at bill clinton where your little sister where's your little at, sister at? <laughs> donald trump where's your little sister at but uh, shout out to our sister and brother shows, brother. Food Show Fanatics, our guy Councilman Clark. Don't worry, the movie with Amanda Wade and Crush Chasm every Wednesday with Kendra B. This is Steve G. Imagine with Happen in the 90s.